Amen. Our gospel lesson today comes from the 14th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, beginning with the 22nd verse. And this is immediately following that time when Jesus saw the multitudes, and they didn't have food. And Jesus was filled with compassion for them. And he miraculously provided for the multitudes. So this is um, the same day, verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples, after those miraculous events took place when the loaves and the fish were multiplied, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, listen to this, he went up on a mountainside by himself to do what? To pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat that the disciples were in were all, was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, that is the Sea of Galilee. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. What would you think if you saw that? It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, and here's what he's saying to us today, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. I don't know about you, but I don't think I would do what Peter did here. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out. Here's the key. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. But when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him, and he begged and begged him to heal the sick. Uh, I'm sorry, and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, I pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on you. Lord, as, as we face the difficulty, as we face the challenges, as we are confronted with the wind and the waves of uh, negative circumstances in our lives, let us fix our eyes on you. Lord, you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And for the joy that was set before you, Heavenly Father, you sent Jesus to the cross. And right now you're at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is there, ever interceding for us, and we thank you for that. So help us by your Holy Spirit today to have ears that are open to hear your word. And I pray that uh, as your word enters, that faith would grow and flourish. Faith that can confront whatever fearful circumstance we're facing in life. Uh, Lord, we just uh, pray that you would do this work in our hearts. And ultimately, we, we ask that our lives would be lived to your glory and to your praise. As we walk by faith, trusting in you, 
So Lord, do your work here this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the author of the letter to the Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, he wrote, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So I have this question for you today. When, when things get difficult in your life, when the wind and the waves are raging in your life, where do you fix your eyes? Where are your eyes fixed? If you're like me, maybe you, you, you fixate on the problem and you allow the problem to ruminate in your mind. You just turn it over and over again in your head and the problem never gets any better. Maybe, maybe you're also like me. Maybe you, you use the avoidance tactic. I'm going to immerse myself in a binge-worthy Netflix series. If I could just dive into social media or something like that, watch funny videos. But avoiding it doesn't work either. Where, where do you fix your eyes? How do you deal with the difficulties of life? What do you look at or who do you look to when you're faced with difficult circumstances in life? When the wind and the waves come, to whom do you turn or to what do you turn? But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. You know what that's like. Probably not walking out on water, right? Although maybe you have been out in, in, a, in a, a, a raging storm before, literally, you're a fisherman, sailor. But for those of us who've never been in a raging storm on the sea, still, we have experienced storms in our lives, difficulties in our lives, right? So, so we can identify with, with Peter to some extent. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, what did he say? Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Peter doubted. He looked at the problem. He saw the wind and the waves and he began to sink. But he did the right thing. In the midst of his fear, in the midst of the difficulty, he cried out to Jesus. You see, Peter understood that his only hope was in Jesus. And I pray that you believe that your only hope is found in Jesus Christ today. I'll say it again. Your only hope is found in Jesus. Jesus. Now, I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm just a, an average person. I'm a sinner just like you. Okay, so, so don't think for a second that I've mastered all of these things. And that when I walk through storms in my life, that, that I'm always fixated on Jesus. Because I'm not. I struggle just like every other Christian struggles. I'm learning to trust in Jesus just like you're learning to trust in Jesus today. 
So don't think for a second that because I'm up here preaching a sermon that I have all the answers. Because I don't. My job as a preacher isn't to point to myself and say, look at me. My job as a preacher is to point away from myself to the one who went to the cross to suffer and to die to take away your sins and who promises to be your good shepherd, to shepherd you, to guide you, to lead you through the difficulties of life. So practically today, what has Jesus given to you What has he provided for us so that we can fix our eyes on Jesus? What do we have today? We do not have Christ as the disciples did 2,000 years ago in the boat with them. But we still have Christ present with us. How does Jesus meet us today? Well, I have three points today. And they should be up on the screen. We have, number one, the gift of his word and sacraments. Christ promises to meet us in his word and sacraments. So when we open the word of God, there Christ is present. He's meeting us at our point of need. When we come to the altar and when we receive the sacraments, Christ is present there giving to us what we need. So we have the gift of his word in in sacraments. We have the gift of prayer. And then we have the gift of the body of Christ, the family of God, the church. Local churches, gatherings of believers who Christ has planted for a specific purpose. Each of these are gifts from him. These are all very basic. The gift of his word and sacraments, the gift of prayer, and the gift of the church. Problem is, is we know these things up here. I know these things up here. You know, I I learned about this uh, since I was a child. I learned about these things in seminary. I preached these things for many years. I, I know it up here, but it's one thing to know it up here and and then not to receive the gift that Christ has given to us. It's sort of like on Christmas morning, there are gifts under the tree for me, free gifts of God's grace provided for me. So let's say I woke up on Christmas morning and there's all these gifts, and I don't take them and open them. I don't utilize these gifts, the gift of his word and sacraments, the gift of prayer, the gift of the church. So, so we do need to receive these gifts into our lives so that we can have our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Or we could say, uh, let's say you're, you're having a problem with, with your car. All of a sudden, the, the engine in your car seizes up. It, it won't even turn over anymore. It's the, the engine is toast, so you take the car to the mechanic. And then the mechanic said, well... When was the last time you got an oil change? Well, I've had the car for seven years, and I've never taken it in for an oil change. I've never checked the oil. Well, mechanics said, well, we know what's going on here. We know why you have a problem. He said, I can put a new engine in it. It's going to cost you a lot of money. But if you, if you uh, bring this car to me every 3,000 miles, you get the oil changed. And any time that that little light goes off, which has been on your your dashboard for years, you bring it to me, I'll take care of it. If you hear any little weird noises or anything's different with the car, bring it to me. 
I'll guarantee you that this engine will last you for hundreds of thousands of miles in many, many, many years. The same is true in our lives. We, we have the great mechanic, <laughs> Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And he says, you've got you to gotta take, take these gifts and receive them into your, your life to be a person of the word and sacraments, to, to utilize that gift of prayer and to engage in the body of Christ. You see, the Christian who will not make use of the basic disciplines of Christian living will sink. And there's no one to blame but themselves. Now, we are saved by grace through faith apart from the works of the law. Nothing that we do can save ourselves. So we don't see these as good works that we do to earn salvation. Rather, we see these things... These things as gifts that we receive, gifts of grace, gifts that Jesus freely offers to you for your benefit. The gift of his word and sacraments, the gift of prayer and the gift of the church, all are pure grace. And when we make use of the means of grace, we are focused on Jesus. When we make use of the means of grace, we receive Jesus. These are not things that that are are given to earn salvation. These are things we received as pure gift of the grace and the love of our Savior. Another thing that these things provide for us is is ballast in life. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about ballast? Ballast is the weight at the bottom of a ship. The Vikings, how many of you here are Norwegian? Maybe you had Viking ancestors. When the Vikings would build a ship, they would build the hull of the ship, and then they'd bring large stones, and they would lay them in the bottom of the ship. Why did they lay those large stones on the bottom of the ship? So that when the ship went into a storm, it remained stable. The weight at the bottom kept the ship upright through the storms of life. These things are like ballast. They keep us anchored and secure through the storms of life. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. Again, Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we're just going to go through each of these, the gift of his word and sacraments. Number one, God's word is powerful. God's word is powerful. When Jesus speaks into your life by means of his word, when he speaks into your life by means of this sacrament, remember the main thing in the sacrament is not the bread and the wine, although it's so important, it's the words, it's the promise connected to the bread and the wine, that his body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you upon the cross. When you hear those words and when you receive this gift, it has power. It strengthens you in your faith. It has the same power that brought creation into existence. 
When Jesus speaks into your life, it has the same power that brought creation into existence and brought creation under his subjection. God's word is powerful. Never underestimate the power of his word in your life. There is power there. Be a recipient of his word and of sacraments. Number two, the gift of prayer. In our gospel lesson, we read that Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. He is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. If Jesus prayed, if he knew that he was dependent upon his heavenly Father, how much more do we need to pray? So prayer is a gift. To pray is nothing more than to open the door of your heart to Jesus. To open your life to Him. And to allow Him to come in and to employ, and to employ His power in the alleviation of, of your difficulty or your distress. Prayer is nothing more than to give Jesus access to your heart and to your life. And these are truths that come from Lutheran theologian O'Hallisby in his book entitled Prayer. When I first got here, wondering how, how are we going to move this church into mission? This church has had an incredible history of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How are we going to move this church forward? I said, we need to emphasize prayer. And when I first came, we, we uh, read the book Prayer by O. Hallisby. If you don't have that, uh, that book, I encourage you to get it and to read it. Will you receive Jesus into your life today? Will you give him access? Will you open the door of your heart to him so that he can employ his power in the alleviation of your distress and difficulty? In life? Now, when you pray, should you expect a mighty change of circumstances? Sometimes that happens, but oftentimes, no, the circumstances don't change. But you should expect a power greater than yourself, giving you strength beyond yourself to face whatever storm you're going through. And prayer fixes our eyes upon Jesus. And we know that even though the wind and the waves are, are raging, the, the difficulties and the circumstances of life are so difficult, we have our eyes fixed upon Jesus and we know that he's in control. And that if he's in control, there's really nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about. And then we have the gift of the church. Ian, if we could put Hebrews 12, verses 2 and 3 on the screen again, I want us to notice the pronouns. Fixing what? Our eyes. You notice the pronouns? They're plural. Plural pronouns. Or the, the older, I use the, I like the 1984 NIV. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us together fix our eyes on Jesus. This is the gift of the church. You're not in this alone. 
There's no need for you to walk through the trials and the struggles and the difficulties of life feeling that you're all alone. You have Jesus and you have us as the body of Christ. So no one in this church should ever feel that they have to struggle alone. Look at the us. Look at the our. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27, that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. One part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So says, now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. So let's stop living as if we're alone in our struggles. And let's depend upon each other. You see, each member of this church has received a gift from God to help in serving one another. So I encourage you, just very practically, join with a small group. Join a life group. So I believe that in joining small groups, you have the opportunity to share life in a much deeper way. In a setting like this, this is a monologue, right? A lot of people here today. Um, sometimes it's difficult to, to share struggles in a setting like this or even a setting uh, out there. But when you're a part of a small group, you can really share life together, receive uh, the consolation, the comfort, the help of fellow Christians. So gather with a life group. If you want to get involved with a life group, you have questions about it, talk to Carl. Carl's here. Raise your hand, Carl. All right. Carl's in charge of our life groups. Thank you, Carl. So all of these gifts, the gift of word and sacrament, the gift of prayer, the gift of the church, these gifts are made possible because of the greatest gift that was given for you and all of humanity, and that is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The reason we, we have access to these amazing gifts is because of what Jesus did upon the cross. As we come to this altar to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, we're not only reminded of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but we become recipients of the victory that Christ won for us upon the cross. We're receiving his very victory over sin, death, and hell. You see, the cross, it seemed like a defeat, but it wasn't a defeat. The cross is your victory. The cross is your victory over this broken world. Today, Jesus is for you. He is not against you. He shared in our humanity. He shared in our suffering. He knows what it's like to live the life that you're living now. And through the cross, we have the forgiveness of sins. And now that the sin problem is taken care of, we have fellowship with our Heavenly Father through faith in Christ. And we have fellowship with each other. Because Christ has won the victory over, over sin and death, you have victory over sin and death. And know this, in the midst of the storm, that nothing will separate you from Him. Nothing will separate you from His love. In Jesus, you have more than enough 
to go through and to face whatever challenges you're facing today. Let us pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your power. Jesus, thank you that you not only did these things 2,000 years ago, but you meet us where we're at right now. You meet us today. And you give to us today what we need. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are here today. I don't know all of the circumstances that people are going through, but you do. And I pray that you would give them a sense of peace as they fix their eyes upon you. Give them a sense of even of joy in the difficulties as they fix their eyes on you. Knowing that our, our peace isn't be, doesn't come because the circumstances change. Our, our joy doesn't come because the circumstances change. Our joy comes because you are there with us in the middle of whatever mess we're facing today. So remind us of that reality. Work by your power through this church. Fixing our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. So in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children say, Amen. Amen.